Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode 221 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I'm an employment solicitor and HR specialist and I run the firm Real Employment Law Advice where together with my colleagues, we provide advice and assistance to both employers and employees on all aspects of employment law. Now, one of our specialities is providing advice and assistance to employers when they're involved in investigations. So if you have an internal investigation in relation to grievances, or you just need an independent third party to look at a disciplinary investigation, then we can help you. Our team of solicitors are available to help you no matter where you're based in the UK. We can help you remotely um, utilising our case management software and Teams or Zoom to interact with you on a daily basis. If you'd like more information about the services we can help you with in relation to investigations, please don't hesitate to get in touch. My email is alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. Now, in this episode of the podcast, I want to talk to you about something that's unrelated to employment law, but very much relevant for both managers and HR professionals. And that is the Bates versus the Post Office recent documentary drama on ITV. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's featured content. Now, as I was saying, I want to talk about the ITV drama, which is based on the case of Bates versus the Post Office. No doubt, you if you haven't seen the drama, you've at least heard about it in the news, about the inquiry that's ongoing in relation to how the Post Office dealt with their sub-postmasters. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this is because whilst I was watching the programme and reflecting on it afterwards, with my solicitor's hat on. I thought actually there are quite a lot of lessons and things that employers and HR can take away from that drama and the events that took place. And so I thought it'd be helpful to go through those with you. Now whilst the sub-postmasters weren't employees, they had different contracts and of course didn't have the normal employment rights, there were things that took place that are similar to what take place in relation to an employment relationship, such as investigations into misconduct. So the first point that I want to raise in relation to this and the learnings from it are in relation to how you handle investigations and when things arise such as grievances or misconduct allegations. It's really important that you approach the investigation in a fair and balanced way. It can be all too easy to start the investigation process with a feeling already that the person may be guilty of the misconduct or in relation to grievances that actually there's grievances unfounded. And when you approach an investigation, it should be from looking at it as though you're trying to find evidence on both sides. It should be balanced. So as well as trying to find evidence that proves the issue, also evidence that disproves it. And it should be a thorough investigation that looks into all of the aspects that are raised. And of course, if you take a balanced approach to the investigation, then you're more likely to be looking at both sides of things. 
Now, when it comes to investigations in relation to employment, of course, it's slightly different than in the post office case where they were bringing criminal charges in a lot of the cases and the test in the criminal courts is beyond reasonable doubt. In civil cases, the test is the balance of probabilities. So you have to decide on the balance of probabilities based on the information, the outcome. So it doesn't have to be as vigorous as a criminal case, but in order to ensure both fairness for the parties involved and to ensure that you're getting the right outcome and getting the right result for everybody involved, including the business, you need to ensure that you undertake a balanced investigation. Clearly, from the information that's available and from the ITV drama, the post office investigators in this approached it very much with the view that they had in mind that the postmasters were guilty and they were blinded by the fact that they considered them to be guilty and that there could not be a problem with their software. Now, because they approached the investigation in this way and didn't look at a balanced approach, it then resulted in the outcome that we're seeing now and the harm that was done to many of the people involved. Now, had they taken the view that they needed to look at both sides, not just trying to prove the guilt of the individual, but also looking at possibly that they were innocent, then they may very well have found out the issue a lot sooner. The other thing about the post office investigations and what took place, which I found quite interesting, is that there was a complete lack, in my view, of common sense in relation to the investigations. Firstly, because they were being called in. The auditors were being called in by a lot of the sub-postmasters to try to resolve the issues that they were having with their shortfalls. Now, in my view, if you are stealing from your employer or from the company that engages you, you're not likely to want to call in the auditors to then look into that. So there was no common sense here. No common sense seems to have been applied and somebody saying, actually, hold on a minute, we're assuming that all of these people are guilty of what we're alleging, but we haven't actually considered that from a common sense perspective. If they were guilty, why would they be calling in the auditors? And the second point is, it seems as though there wasn't any joined up thinking amongst the investigators around the country. Now, I could be wrong, and it could have been undertaken by the same people throughout the country, or they could have had the same team, or there could have been some collaboration. But it seems to me, again, from a common sense perspective, if you are getting the same issue arising frequently and the same defence being submitted on a frequent basis at different parts of your organisation, then surely that in itself would flag up an issue that seems not to have happened here. And so my first point in relation to the learning here is in relation to how you undertake your investigations. And if you do have an investigation process in place or a a form of practice that you use, it's worth reviewing that to ensure that it is fit for purpose. And all those people who are given the task of investigating grievances or disciplinary allegations, that they have the relevant training and understanding on how to deal with those in a fair and balanced way. The second point that came from this that I thought was relevant to employers is in relation to obtaining feedback from staff. Now, particularly in large organisations, it can be very difficult for those who are heading up the organisation to really get a feel for what's going on on the ground. And quite often, by understanding what's happening 
at the sort of base level, you can then ascertain if there are any underlying issues or cultural issues or problems within the organisation. So it's really important to have that balanced feedback from staff. Now, again, if it's a large organisation, it can be very difficult for senior management or members of the board to be able to obtain that. But there are means and ways of doing so. So staff surveys, uh, regular meetings or feedback sessions where information is passed up the line, having employee representatives or employee committees where individuals from different departments or different areas of the business are involved and can provide that feedback directly to senior management and even to board level. By having that consistent dialogue, that regular communication that goes both ways, you will be able to ascertain fairly quickly if there are issues within the organisation. It's where the management are blinded to what's going on and completely ignore what's happening or any feedback from staff where these issues can grow and fester and become very difficult to manage in the long run. And leading on from feedback from staff is, of course, the importance of having a robust and accessible whistleblowing policy in place. Many organisations have a whistleblowing policy in the handbook, but they don't often talk about it. Um, nor is it regularly referred to. Again, this case in relation to the post office highlights the importance of having that ability for individuals to raise interests, raise issues that are in the public interest or in the interest of their colleagues and the organisation more widely so that they have somewhere to go to report these things to somebody who they feel they can trust and who is going to take action it's no good having your whistleblowing policy require them to report to the MD of the organisation if there isn't anyone overseeing that process. Because if the MD is the one who is causing the issues, for example, then they're not going to be passed on to board level. So it's important that you have a process in place, but also that it is something that staff feel that they can use and report. The third thing that I think employers should take from this case is the use of settlement agreements. So if your organisation is regularly using settlement agreements to resolve disputes or to resolve issues of conduct without them being fully investigated and being going through the fair and robust process, then it's important that you have a look at that and establish exactly why that is happening. Settlement agreements can be used by managers to silence employees to bring matters to a conclusion without that full auditing process, that full and thorough review of what's happened. Yes, settlement agreements are a good way of resolving disputes without the need to go through formal processes. And yes, they are good for resolving legal disputes. But if it's your culture within your organisation to use them as a means to resolve things in every case, then you may be missing where the real issues are. Again, having a review that takes place maybe at the end of each year by senior management to establish how often settlement agreements were used and in what context they were used would be an important way particularly for larger organisations, to understand exactly what's happening on a management ground level. 
So the use of settlement agreements. Now, of course, there have been a number of cases where settlement agreements have been scrutinised and criticised. And as a result of that, there is now a requirement within the settlement agreement to specifically state that whistleblowing and public interest disclosures and disclosures of criminal activity, etc., are still allowed despite the settlement agreement. But where that doesn't apply, it is still bringing matters to a close without the employee being able to have their say. So it is important that you check how often you're using settlement agreements and why. The fourth point here, and this is something that did happen in the post office case, albeit that the post office didn't really take any notice of it, was that there has to be, or there should be, some independent review. Now, if you think there were issues within your organisation, then it is, again, it's worth obtaining an independent opinion on what's happening. Now, this may be something that you do on a couple of yearly basis, so that you have an independent review of your HR processes and practices and your management structure and the culture. That way you can be sure that there are no issues or it might be that you just get an independent review when a particular issue arises. Now in the post office case they did appoint an independent organisation to review what was happening but as was set out in the drama and in the case they actually didn't take on board what was being told them by the independent reviewer. So yes if you get an independent review done is good but it's also important that you then follow that and take it into consideration and take it seriously. And the final point I wish to raise in relation to this and the final learning is about the culture of an organisation. Now the way in which your business runs, the way in which your organisation runs is very much led by the culture of the management. So it comes from the top. So you need to ensure that the management team that you employ, those people who are running things on a day-to-day basis, have the same ethos and culture that you have and that you want to grow for your business. If you work in HR and you feel that the culture within the organisation isn't aligned with what the business strategy is, then it's important that you raise this. Again, looking at the post office case, there was clearly a culture here of blame and one in which management would not take any responsibility or any criticism of the system in place, the horizon system or what was going on. And it was that blind inability to recognise what was happening that was spread throughout the management culture at the post office. And that led to the decisions that were being made and the treatment of individuals on a regular basis. So it's, again, very important as an organisation that you regularly review what your values are, what your ethos is, and look at the culture within the organisation to ensure that it is aligned with that. So those are the five things that I would say particularly employers and HR professionals should take as lessons from the Bates versus Post Office case. But there are some other things that came out of that programme that I think are really important to understand, and particularly for managers and HR professionals, and that is that your decision-making, the things that you do, and the way in which you behave could be scrutinised at a later date. You could end up 
depending on the nature of your employment or what takes place in a criminal or civil court, or you could find yourself giving evidence in the employment tribunal. So it's keeping that in mind when you're making your decisions. And then finally, it's recognising that the people who work for you are human beings, that they are individuals that have thoughts and feelings and families and lives. And I just feel like watching that programme, that those people who were in power at the post office just didn't have that in mind. They could not see beyond the corporate view of the people that were involved and the impact that it was having upon them. The decisions that were made by people along the way caused irreversible damage to many, including the unfortunate death of several of the post office submasters and breakdowns of marriages, various mental health conditions, people losing their homes, losing their families. And sometimes when we're making decisions on a business level, it can be easy to forget that behind that decision, there is always a person involved. So my final point is, if you are an employer, a manager, or you work in HR, just remember that behind every decision you make, there is an employee, there is a person, and that could have a substantial impact upon them. Now, I do feel like I've had a bit of a rant in this episode of the podcast, but it was very moving. It was a very moving story. And I have to say, when I was watching it, I was incredulous about the way that the post office behaved. And I thought it's important that we learn from these things and move forward. So hopefully you found this episode helpful. If you have watched the um, drama and you had anything else that you thought came out of it that would be lessons to be learned, do please leave them in the comments or get in touch. Email me by alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk. And if you haven't watched the Bates vs. Post Office drama on ITV, then I strongly recommend that you do. It is a difficult watch. There are some harrowing parts of it, but it is definitely worthwhile. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I look forward to speaking to you again in two weeks. And of course, if you have any employment law issues, you require any HR advice or you want any assistance at all, don't hesitate to get in touch with myself or the team. I hope you have a fantastic two weeks and take care. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.